Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Qualified. I'm Michelle Heaton, and I'm so glad you're here. If you joined us for episode one, you know that I talked about my amazing son, Sean, and how losing him at the age of only 17 sent me on a search for answers and compassion. And eight years later, I still don't have all the answers. But the journey I took involved the support of kind and sympathetic friends and a skilled therapist who helped me immensely and gave me coping tools that I could use whenever fear and anxiety took over. But for me, some of the most comforting conversations I had were with other people who had actually experienced this type of loss. I think I appreciated that they were ahead of me, that they had endured the hard days, weeks, and months that follow losing someone you love deeply, and they were somehow able to keep going and even enjoy life again. It is my hope that this podcast will do that for you, that hearing stories of great loss told by incredibly strong people will inspire and encourage you. So with me today is Olivia. Welcome, my friend, and thank you so much for agreeing to be my first guest on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Michelle. Olivia, first, let me say that I know this is very difficult for you to do. So thank you in advance for your willingness to talk with us today. When I felt called to start this podcast, it was very hard for me to share my story about Sean. Because talking about losing the people we love, it it almost feels sacred. And for a long time, I couldn't do it. So again, I thank you for being willing to put the hard stuff on the table with me today. And we should let everyone know that September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And Olivia, your granddaughter, Avery, was only six and a half years old when she was diagnosed with the rarest form of cancer called DIPG. So Olivia, would you start off just by telling us a little bit about Avery her personality, her family, and your relationship with her? Well, first of all, she is the third child of four. Her older sister is Alex, will be a senior this year, or is a senior this year. Her brother, Cade, is a sophomore, and her little sister, Addison, who's two years younger than her. Where do I go as far as describing her? First of all, she was an absolute lover of life. She took great pleasure in everything, even the little things. In fact, my daughter still has a video of a little song she made up when she was on the swing about flying so high like the birds in the sky. And it's one of those that we we look at it now and we just realize how much she did take pleasure in the little things everyday life. People were drawn to her personality, was a huge personality. She was definitely a firecracker. She loved being the center of attention. She was a jokester who loved making people laugh. and. She was the life of the party. And while we're on the subject of being life of the party, she loved to plan and organize parties for everything and everybody. I mean, you know, I found a snail kind of day. I mean, <laughs> exaggerate a little bit, but she, I, again, I say she took pleasure in the little things of life. At only six. 
Yep. And her biggest thing was she loved to make lists for everything. When she planned a party or planned an event, that she had to have everything down in, in her little list so that she had everything just right. Yeah. Sounds like she was an amazing little girl. Thanks, Olivia, for giving us all those details. I think that's really special. And and now, if you could, I'd like you to kind of share with us what happened next that really changed everything. Well, she had just finished her kindergarten year. It was just a couple of weeks out of that. I had just done a video the week before of going through the monkey bars, completing it and doing the tada at the end. I mean, like I, I said, she she loved an audience of any any kind. Well, after that, within just a week after that, my daughter-in-law noticed that her left side of her face was drooping a little bit and her eye was inverted. And just to interject along that, after a few things happened, my grandson, Cade, had reflected on, they'd been to the beach two weeks prior, and he said, well, I remember one time she said that she saw two of me and he didn't know what to make of it. He just saw she was, you know, crossing her eyes or being silly. So... Nothing was said about it, but my daughter-in-law, being the person that she is, was a mama bear, and she knew things just didn't line up and didn't seem right. So they called, and the appointment was going to be like in the middle of July, and she's like, no, this has to be taken care of now. So mama bear got her in to see a ophthalmologist, and he said that, yeah, this is not okay. So proceeded to um, expedite her having an, an MRI, and within a week, she was diagnosed with DIPG. And she had a patch in her eye, and her left side was pretty much, she wasn't able to operate it, and she was in a wheelchair within a week's time. And he, it progressed so rapidly and so aggressively that it just, it took all of our breaths away. So what about the other children? I mean, seeing Avery like that had to really have an impact on them. How did they fare? Well, you know, they were concerned. Kate had noticed that, but didn't really make anything of it. Alex has always been very mature, my granddaughter. And basically what we all just did is we started taking to prayer because we knew that that's the one thing that that could help. And of course, it was really hard on them, but it was extremely hard on Addison because she was only four and a half at the time. And her playmate and her roommate and the one she had giggles with and did all the things that she used to do before it was not able to do those things. And it was really hard for her to understand. You know, it was hard for us to wrap our heads around it, much less a four and a half year old. So that those times were pretty difficult. So, Olivia, we know that the whole family had to struggle with watching Avery go through that. And that ultimately, this awful disease, DIPG, ended up taking Avery's young life. And I'm sure there were so many emotions swirling around in your head and everybody else in the family. I know that as a parent, when I lost Sean, I I know how I felt, but I want to hear from you if you would tell us the grandmother's perspective. Well, it was really hard. Needless to say, my daughter's mother lives in the Seattle area, so she was there with them the entire time. Uh, She was diagnosed the end of June and I was up there by July 5th. I went up so that I could kind of hold the fort down, so to speak. And I was doing just all the domestic things, washing dishes, helping the kids do whatever they needed to do, transporting back and forth, just all the things. And 
it was definitely a change. And when I'd gone up before, it was always fun and let's go do this and let's go do that. And this time it was totally different. It was really hard on me because I saw the pain that my son and daughter-in-law and the kids were going through. And I felt my own pain. It was kind of hard to put it all in one in one bucket, so to speak. And I mean, I had my own pain going on and yet I hurt for my son. And I know all of you that are moms understand that there's nothing worse than seeing your kids going through something and not really being able to do anything for them. I mean, I cried lots of tears with them and it was a hard thing. But fortunately, I knew that when I couldn't do anything in the natural, that I had the ability to pray and ask God to intervene. Well, thank you very much for that. Olivia, can you speak to anyone listening right now that might be struggling with the death of a young child or with a cancer diagnosis or somebody like you, who's a grandmother that had to endure the secondary loss of their own child's deep grief and potentially overcoming depression and sadness? Well, initially at the beginning, people were saying, how can you not be angry at God? And so I wouldn't say I was angry, but I was hurt. I just, I don't get this. Why me, God? Why us? Why did this have to happen to our family? But the more I thought about things, the more I realized that that was not God's intention for us from the very beginning. He wanted us to live in health and in peace and for eternity. And because the sinful nature of our lives, we ended up having brokenness in our lives. So I know that I was able thank God, to put it into perspective and realize that this was not something God was doing to us, but living in a broken world caused the brokenness. Another thing is you need to be patient and kind to yourself. There was times I was hard on myself that I should be tougher than this. And, you know, I know, unfortunately, we often teach our little boys that it's not okay to cry. Well, Jesus himself cried. And there's nothing wrong with tears. In fact, tears can be healing. There's a scripture in in the Bible that says God holds all of our tears in a bottle. And if he holds them in a bottle, that must mean they're important. So it's okay to let those things out and let let that hurt come out. Because in the middle of the tears, there begins a healing or there continues to be a healing. Another thing is allow yourself to grieve. Um, I had a few people kind of not trying to be unkind, but it was coming across an unlovingly where they would make comments like, you know, well, it's been a while now and it's it's not fair for anybody to put a timeline on grief. You know, some people it doesn't take as long. Some people it takes close to a lifetime. And the thing is, when you put everything to God, you do have those times. It's, It's not that they go away. They're just more manageable. And it's God that gives you the the hope and the strength to go on and and have those feelings too, because they're all valid as well. Oh, another thing, community is super crucial. And initially, you're probably going to want to isolate a little bit, but you can't do that. It's important. You know, there's strength in numbers. And to be able to lean on other people, say, I'm really hurt, and just have somebody just lean in there. You don't have to say anything. There's no jewels of wisdom that need to come out of their mouth. Just being there, being a friend and hanging there with you and just saying, I'm here for you, whatever you need. And I was told a couple of different times that, It was crucial that I found something to do that I could serve others. And 
Initially, I didn't want to do it. But then when I did start reaching out, doing different things, I felt like the more I served, the more peace and the more joy and the more contentment I got. And those are the things that bring you hope. Well, I appreciate all that advice and wisdom, Olivia. And I think your son also kind of turned this situation for good by starting a foundation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, first of all, his interest was always in journalism in particular sports. So he's had the gifting from the beginning to be a journalist. And he took everything that he felt inside, good, bad and ugly. And people would make comments like, you know, he's so raw and how can he be so transparent? But a lot of that was healing and it allowed people to know that it's okay to feel those things. There's times where you don't get it and times where you're just so angry and God can handle all that. And it's all right to do that. Let me just say also, this was something that Neil Armstrong's daughter died of way back. He walked on the moon, but he also had a daughter that died of DIPG. And the sad part about that is the communities and the groups for battling cancer have never taken that serious of a look at childhood cancer. Only 4% funding is given to them. And of that 4%, because DIPG is the rarest form, it's something like 0.0001. So it's pretty much nothing. I'm thankful that in the middle of everything, my son and daughter-in-law decided that this wasn't okay. They didn't want other people to have to hear that it was incurable and inoperable, go home and make memories. They didn't want that to happen. So they, along with a few other people, have collaborated to start foundations, to move the needle, to get recognition. And thankfully, there's been progress in the last few years because of that. And again, it's one of those things where something that seemed hopeless, there was hope brought to it. Wow. Well, thank you for that, Olivia. And we'll put the link to Brandon's website in the the notes here in YouTube and in the podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you again, Olivia, not only for agreeing to come on the podcast today and to share a deeply personal experience, but mostly for your words of hope and encouragement for other people, because I know there's people out there that need to hear it. So for those of you listening, it is my prayer that you received comfort and that you'll be inspired to find the strength to persist and overcome. As hard as it is, there is a hope that Olivia described, and we are both standing with you in faith that you too will discover this hope. So thanks again, everybody, for joining us today. And as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. So please drop me a note in the comment section below or send me an email at callmequalified at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.